Hello from Boise and welcome to the Extra Credit Podcast from Idaho Education News. I'm Clark Corbin, uh, running the show today. Kevin Richard is on vacation and out of town and he'll be back next week. But I am joined by a special guest this week. We have uh, Randy Schrader who works with us at Ed News as our uh, data analyst and policy expert. Uh, and so I'm excited to have Randy uh, on the podcast today. We're going to do something a little bit different. I want to focus just mainly on one topic, which is the teacher evaluation uh, system that we've been covering uh, really for the last year at Idaho Ed News. And Randy uh, has been instrumental in our research and looking at the data behind that. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But before we do that, I want to run through just a couple quick headlines of other things that we did cover this week. Uh, Even though school's out, it's been a busy week when we had a lot going on. Earlier this week, the legislature's interim school funding committee got together at the State House. Our editor, Jennifer Swindell, um, covered that. And the group didn't make any decisions on Tuesday, and they probably have a long way to go. But if you're interested in this complex work that they're doing to rewrite the state's funding formula, um, you can catch up on our coverage at IdahoEdNews.org. And then out of eastern Idaho, out of Idaho Falls, um, Our newest reporter, Devin Vodkin, had a story about how the Idaho Falls School District is looking to upgrade its facilities, two of its old high schools in that district. And it was kind of interesting. Architects um, give them an estimate that they're looking about a $90 million project to upgrade those facilities. And the district hasn't decided anything yet, uh, but they are looking at a potential bond issue as early as November that would increase taxes on patrons if they can reach that two-thirds supermajority requirement that is necessary to pass a bond in Idaho. If you're interested in those stories or the rest of our coverage this week, head over to IdahoEdNews.org and check that out. Otherwise, um, I've got Randy here in the office, and I want to talk all about um, our big story this week, which was my interview with Superintendent Ivara, where she said that she wanted to overhaul the teacher evaluation process, and this kind of came in the wake of this reporting that we have been doing over the last two, three weeks, where we uncovered a number of errors and omissions in the data uh, that school districts send to the state. But Randy, you before joining Ed News, you were a longtime educator, a longtime superintendent in the state of Idaho. You were familiar with teacher evaluations and working with your staff. It gets kind of complicated, but what are evaluations and, and how do they work in Idaho and, and why are they important? Well, first, thanks for having me on, Clark. A little bit about teacher evaluations. Teacher evaluations are statutory. They are, there's required components. There's supposed to be two classroom observations before you complete an evaluation, but that's just the minimal requirements. Overall, the teacher evaluation is, is supposed to be designed to improve instruction and learning in the classroom. You know, you can, it's also used to generate quality conversations between the administrator and the teacher and, you know, just to to improve the overall teacher practice. You know, Idaho has been using the Danielson's frameworks as a model for quite a few years now. Uh, It's what I was basically trained in when I started in Caldwell, using Danielson's frameworks as a basis for evaluations. Now, I know that that necessarily wasn't designed as an evaluation tool, but it certainly is a good framework to use to evaluate instruction. And if there's good instruction going on in the classroom, you know, students are learning. What are, you talked about uh, the classroom observations. 
What are some of the things that administrators get into uh, when they're working with a teacher on their evaluation? What are some of the things uh, that you're looking at uh, to, to kind of gauge uh, and, and help teachers Im improve their practice? What are a couple of the things you look at? The first thing I would look at when I walked into the classroom is, is I look for teacher rapport with students. That's a big part. If you're building a relationship with those students, you're going to get a lot more from them. Uh, do you have students engaged in what you're doing? Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily a gotcha. You're not supposed to go in there and use evaluations to get a teacher on something. You're supposed to go and create focus areas that will help her improve in the classroom or him improve in the classroom. Uh, other things you look for, you know, when I was getting evaluated, I remember a uh, a long time ago, the person would come in my classroom and I'd hear clicks in the background. And all he was was taking, or, taking down every word that I said and then read it back to me. And yeah. when I said a word that didn't belong, <laughs> you know, he said, but it was never focused on student learning. It was just, what was I saying? So you look for delivery models. You look for things that will engage students. You look for teachers that are assessing the students every day in the classroom. And that doesn't necessarily mean a written test. It could be you're asking the students, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs to the side. You know, all kinds of different ways to get feedback from the students to see if they've learned the lesson for the day. And so the state of Idaho and most of its school districts use, you mentioned it, uh, but the Danielson framework is kind of their evaluation tool. And, and Randy, you and I both do a, a little bit of uh, hanging out at the state house during the legislative session. And so a couple of years ago, in 2015, the legislature did something interesting when they raised beginning teacher pay and teacher pay through the career ladder Lawmakers were looking for an accountability piece, and so what, how did they, just in basic, simple terms, how, how did they apply Danielson, this evaluation model, to become the accountability model for the career ladder? What, are, what does that mean? Well, the evaluation itself, you know, again, back to the statutory requirements and what's in state board rule, you know, it's supposed to include 67% of professional practice, and that professional practice is based on the domains and the components and the elements of Danielson's frameworks. So each one of those contains a rubric, you're ranked one through four, that you would rate a teacher on. And when you finish the evaluation, at the end you're gonna get an you're gonna get an overall achievement score of a distinguished, you know, proficient, basic, or unsatisfactory rating for a teacher. And then the state, you also were supposed to include as part of that score the student achievement scores. Right. So you would you would get another percentage ranking. Now, what we did in the district that I was in, we created a just a regular 100-point scale. So we took 67% of how the teacher did in the professional practice and created a, an online tool that would add in how their students performed, and we got an overall score for the teacher. And, and it was legitimately a, a good focus area for the teacher to, to see which, were they, how their students did, how the professional practice was, and they could move forward. So the state you know, required districts to submit a score for the teachers in the one, two, three, and four range. And they were supposed to be able to move on the career ladder based if they were proficient in certain areas and uh, in their practice, they could move on the career ladder. And so that was reported and we acquired the report and we got it and evaluated it and came up with some interesting findings. And, th and this is a big deal. I, I know it gets complicated, um, but it's a big deal because we're talking about potentially hundreds of millions of dollars in teacher salary increases through the career ladder being partially tied to these evaluations. And so uh, 
what we want to do is look and see, is this being handled correctly according to state law? Are the districts doing what lawmakers thought? Is taxpayer money being spent correctly? And so that's why, although it is a little complicated, that's why we're focusing on this. But you mentioned the overall evaluation scores, the one, twos, threes, and fours, or if you will, the basics, um, uh, proficients, uh, distinguished, and, and, and so on. What we found over each of the last two years um, that a number of districts, uh, you know, 30-plus districts and charter schools gave all of their teachers identical overall evaluation scores. Um, kind of how, how did we go about finding that data and, and, and sort of, you know, why was this a concern to us? Why was this something that you and I wanted to report on? Well, first of all, we wanted to, we wanted to find out if, if this teacher performance is truly going to be tied to the career ladder is the information accurate that, that districts are reporting? And so we had no idea when we got the data that it was going to be flawed the way that it was. So what, what stood out to me, you know, as an administrator in a larger district as well, and even in a large school, that not every teacher performs at the same level. Sure. Now, there are many teachers that are proficient, but there's also young teachers that might be basic in certain areas, or you have teachers that are very distinguished that have been doing it for a long time or a short time, but they're excellent teachers. When we looked at the data initially and saw that many districts, large and small, every dist every teacher had the same rating, I just absolutely was sure that that wasn't accurate. And as Clark investigated further, found that districts did admit to submitting the same data for all teachers anyway. So it wasn't real information that we were getting. Yeah, and, and it was interesting. So we not only had the data from all 115 school districts and 40-plus charter schools, it applies to... I think 17,000 plus teachers in the state of Idaho, we got the data and then we went back through and fact-checked it by contacting administrators in the school districts. And I guess on the one level, you know, we sort of informed who we would fact-check because if you see a district with, for instance, 300 teachers and they all got the same overall evaluation score, uh, that raised a little red flag and so we investigated that further. But what that means is not only is that district reporting that they don't have any teachers that performed at, at basic or unsatisfactory levels. They're also saying they don't have any distinguished teachers. Right. Uh, and so that was an important thing um, for us to point out. We also found some other errors in addition to the simple you know, blanket awarding of identical scores and then turning that into the state. We also identified a couple other errors that we were able to confirm with superintendents, right? Yeah, we found that... that I, I, say, I think sometimes superintendents don't always get to see the data that's entered, but districts in, enter the data incorrectly or backwards. Instead of giving teachers fours and threes, they were received twos and ones. So that would, that would definitely hurt a district if it truly was tied to the career ladder as you know, teacher performance. They didn't have anybody meeting the proficient level. How would anybody move on the career ladder? So I'm certain that that would affect them uh, monetarily. So, you know, Clark fact-checked some of those and, I believe that those districts probably did correct that, but one thing that also stood out to me was that nobody was checking the data to verify that it was accurate at the at the state level. Uh, we I just felt like you know if we saw it, then somebody else should be able to catch that and said no, that can't be right, and maybe get a hold of these districts and get them to enter the data incorrectly, enter it correctly. And there's a couple of interesting points in there for the districts. In, in two cases, I think we found where they entered the information backwards, it made it seem like the teachers were underperforming. And so if that had not been caught, uh, and, and I'm not to 
trying to say that it wouldn't have been caught if it wasn't for us. We don't even we'd have no idea. But if that had gone through the system and not been caught, that could have kept a teacher who deserved a raise from getting a raise. And so uh, that's significant, uh, n number one. And, you know, so uh, that was important for us uh, to look at. And then so now I... I met with Superintendent Sherry Ibarra uh, this week, and I asked her to basically respond to the omissions, to the errors that we found. And she said that she's in the preliminary stages of putting together uh, a team to uh, overhaul evaluations in the state of Idaho. She has a vendor in mind in McCrell International, which is an education consulting firm uh, out, of, out of Denver. But give me a sense of, of what could be involved if there was... Uh, an overhaul of the evaluation system. Are our schools and teachers and administrators invested in this Danielson model? And, and what could be involved with a, a change, Randy? Well, I, I can just tell you that a lot of things would have to change. Uh, first of all, you're right. Teachers and principals across the state uh, are trained in the use of Danielson's framework, not only as an evaluation tool, but as an approval uh, for instruction and to create collaboration between teachers professional development activities. There's also been training for principals to become experts at classroom observations and evaluations. You know, a lot of principals across the state got certified in what's called Teachscape, which was a, another vendor that delivered uh, Danielson's frameworks basically online in an electronic format. And you could go in and, and principals were trained by doing evaluations, giving teachers scores, and someone would come behind them, watch the videos of the same lesson, and see if the scores were similar. So, you know, everybody was on kind of the same page on what those rubrics meant and what the what the components were, what the elements were, and just experts at teacher observations and evaluations. You know, changing system midstream, it truly is, both systems are based on the in-task core models of teaching, which is research-based teaching uh, and learning and effective evaluations McCrell is just another vendor that has an online system. That system also contains domains and, and elements of instruction that are just named differently. They even score them similarly, except similarly, except some of those, you know, the names are different. Instead of, you know, proficient, distinguished, and satisfactory, basic, it, it's uh, developing, proficient, you know, accomplished, and distinguished. So kind of still a four-point scale, just a little different, they call it different things and it may look and feel a little bit different. And you know, the language is different, but again, if they're all based on the same core model of teaching standards, you know, you know why the change is, is my deal. I, 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 I would, I, if I was a current principal in a, uh, in a school district, I would, that would be hard to swallow for me. Changing midstream when all these teachers are training, it is effective teaching practice. You know, it's not, to me, it's not the evaluation tool that created the flaws in the data. It was a submittal of the data. And changing with, is, is going to be difficult. And that was the thing for me, and I've, talk, I've tried to talk to the superintendent ab about this, and she has some concerns, and I've heard concerns from educators about, is Danielson being applied incorrectly as an accountability piece? And, and I get that, but I want to say that one of the things why I'm interested in this project is... There's another level of problem that we're trying to drill down into, correct? And that's the accuracy of the data. Uh, and so my concerns on this level, you know, it's above my pay grade to say whether or not Danielson's appropriate. I'm not qualified to say that, but I am qualified to say there's some errors in the way this has been 
submitted to the state. And it's happened and it's been documented two years in a row. And so the accuracy of the reporting is a big thing for me uh, as much as anything in the sense that I can wrap my arms around that and understand why that's a problem. And so it's I'm not trying to say that... Uh, that having proficient teachers is a bad thing or, or that we don't have proficient teachers. Uh, I believe that we do, and I know we do because I go into classrooms throughout the school year and, and meet with these teachers. But what I'm saying is we know there's a problem in several districts uh, with the accuracy of, of the reporting, correct? And that's a concern. That's That would be a concern. That would concern me as, it concerns me as a taxpayer and a former administrator that that's not being taken seriously. Um, there's a lot of money and time invested in developing the clear career ladder strategy that was tied to teacher performance in the classroom. But if the data is going to be submitted inaccurately, what was the point? You know, what was the point in, in going through all that? So, yeah, it's very concerning. And it's going to be a difficult task to switch midstream. And, you know, I think a new vendor is going to cost the district or the state quite a few, quite a bit of money when you already have a great system in place, true, that is research-based, that has been used across Idaho, McCrell's probably very good as well, again, since they're based on the same, you know, core teaching strategies. So again, I, I, again, I go back to if I was an administrator, current administrator, I would be, it would be difficult for me to, you know, kind of swallow this change right now. And we're and, and just so we're clear, when Superintendent Ibarra talks about changing the system, I don't think she's talking about not evaluating teachers. She had several criteria in mind, in fact, for what an, a new accountability evaluation system would have to have. It, it would have to dovetail with the career ladder. It would have to have a mentorship piece. Uh, and so we're not talking about just doing away with evaluations. That doesn't appear uh, to be an option. Did you have any final thoughts uh, Randy, I want to refer people back to our reporting at IdahoEdNews.org. And at the end here in a couple minutes, I want to play just a couple minutes of my interview with Superintendent Ibarra uh, so we can hear her words uh, about her concerns about evaluations. But any final thoughts you wanted to leave people with, especially given your, you know, your experience uh, submitting these reports to the state and dealing with evaluations? No, I think that uh, we pretty much covered most of it here. I just, you know, again, I would go back to, again, it's not the tool that's created the flaws in the data, it's the, it's the reporting that has done that. And if the State Department wants to change the way they are uh, doing their teacher evaluations and observations by using a different tool, I guess it would be, it would be up to them. I, I would uh, still hope that when those are complete and the teachers end up with a score, that that is reported accurately so we can have the right information. Right. It, yeah, in my mind, uh, you know, the concern is if we change evaluation models, we're still looking at a data accuracy issue, and we would still hope that it would be reported accurately. Um, and, and so that we'll watch that going forward, but, but that would be my concern. I, I do want to uh, play just a couple of minutes of uh, my interview with Superintendent Ibarra from Tuesday, just so we can hear uh, her words. And so my first question here to lead into it was just asking her for her reaction uh, to the story that Randy and I did, pointing out the errors and the omissions. You can also see the story at IdahoEdNews.com. ORG, but here's Superintendent Ibarra. I'm so glad you asked me that. So I'm holding actually the book right now for 
the, our evaluation model. And what I've told folks over and over again is let's not focus on the problem, let's focus on solutions. We know that this is a not intended to be an evaluation tool. It was always intended to be a professional development tool, and it is completely coming to fruition that um, we have told folks over and over and over and over again, this is a problem. <laughs> so we're now realizing this is a problem. So let's focus on solutions. Um, it is a hot button issue and we have known for a long time that we have the wrong tool in place. So now let's focus on solutions, which is what the department is doing. We are working with some of those districts. We are asking what the problem was and what we can do to help. I think um, some of the solutions coming forward and some of the blessings in the legislation that we talked about was the legislature is, is recognizing that conversation and that we very well may have the wrong tool in place. Um, the problem is it's tied to the career ladder. So what the department is doing right now is working with a professional team to come up with an evaluation model that closely ties to the Danielson model because that was a task force recommendation. And it also has to tie into the career ladder. Um, we're going to have educators at the table. We're going to have stakeholder groups at the table, business groups at the table, because we certainly need to focus on what, what, can, what solutions can we come up with. We recognize this is a problem. Um, the other thing that we're looking at is the legislature recognizing that and having a spot check and having the universities get on board to see where maybe some of the um, missteps are there and trying again not to... I want to send the public the message that this is not an aha, I got you thing. Um, there's nothing more important than a quality educator with kids in our classroom. And the information that we are asking for is not correct information. It's the perception that we're sending to the public that we have all these uh, proficient teachers in the classroom. Well, yes, that's our goal. We want proficient teachers in the classroom. Um, but I think what the problem is, we have the wrong evaluation tool in place, and we're not asking for the correct information. All right, well, I thought that was interesting to be able to uh, share that audio from the superintendent. Again, check back at IdahoEdNews.org for all of our coverage of the evaluations and to actually watch videos of the interview with Superintendent uh, Ibarra. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next time with a new episode of Extra Credit. Uh, but I'm Clark Corbin, and I want to thank my guest, Randy Schrader, who is our data analyst and, and policy expert at Ed News. Randy, thanks so much for coming on Extra Credit this week. Thanks, Clark.